Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. All right. Welcome back, guys. I am so fired up about this week. You guys don't even know. I've been so excited to interview our guests. But before we jump there, read the quick review of the week. So this review came in, and uh, it's a little bit longer than normal, so appreciative of that. So this one says, The Journey of a Christian Dad is one of my favorite bookmark podcasts. What I love is that Dan understands what leadership is at work and at home. He just shares from his heart what it means to grow as a leader. He is transparent. He is vulnerable and he is always interested in growing. I love that part of the podcast. The guests that he has in terms of expanding the thinking to help you grow, that part of the podcast has been amazing. I love the fact that he focuses on winning at work and at home. There are two components of life and he helps us stay focused on both. Specifically, the most important one is winning at home. So just wanted to give you a shout out and thanks for all the guidance and great guests and the wisdom that you pass along so that we can be better stewards of the gifts that we have been given. Thanks again for all you do. And I'm looking forward to listening to future podcasts. And this one came in from Brian McRae. So Brian, thank you so much. Love the fact that uh, you shot a review in. Love all the work that you do. He's got a group called the Mastermind Project where he helps people be generous uh, referral Givers and receivers, and then also when at work and at home. And uh, he's got a fantastic community here in the St. Louis, Missouri area, and uh, he's now taking it across the country. So, Brian, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, you and your leadership uh, that you've got and how you've helped guide me quite a bit. I got to speak about the book, The Go Giver, uh, which is a fantastic book. At his event, I got to do a keynote speech there, and it was about the Go Giver. So, With that said, that gives a little insight as to why I'm so excited to have John David Mann and Anna Mann on the podcast with us today. They have combined and wrote a book called The Go-Giver Marriage. And another reason why I'm so excited is when I read the book, The Go-Giver, which has sold around a million copies. I read that book and I thought, wow, that'd be great if there was a book just like this about marriage. So (laughs) with that said, we have both (laughs) authors on the podcast with us today. Welcome, John. Welcome, Anna. Thank Thank you you so much. It's really great to be here in the stadium. And I got to say, what is it about St. Louis? I mean, it's like the hotbed of go-giver activity for 10 years now. There's been like more. There's been like person after person, leader after leader comes out of, out of St. Louis, just gaga over the go-giver. I don't know what it is about St. Louis, but you're doing something right there, St. Louisians. Oh. Well, that's fantastic. Well, I appreciate that. And yes, we are, we are big <laughs> fans in St. Louis. So uh, that story yeah. just resonates here. Yeah, you guys, there's something special there. It's in the water or the air or just in you. Yeah, who knows? Maybe it's uh, maybe there's a, there's a group here that meets 100, 200 people a month. And we talk about that's- go-giver type things and use that in, in the business. And the idea there is to influence the business community to, to be more generous, to think at a higher yes. level. And um, so that, that book just hits home for us. So speaking of that book, let's dive in there for just a quick second. So 
um, on, of that one, the, there's five different laws in that book for stratospheric success. When you're writing that with Bob Berg, what was one of those that just, you just, you just personally love if you could expand on, on one of the five laws. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, absolutely. And probably everybody watching knows this already, but just to be clear, since we're not holding that book up, that's the little red book, not the one by Mao Zedong, uh, the little red book being the original <laughs> go-giver. And that was, uh, it came out in 2008, it's been over a decade now. And that was a parable at the core of which there were these five laws of stratospheric success. Um, and, and, and there's two laws I'd love to talk about. I'll get to the, to the, to the other one down the road a little bit in our talk, because it's going to figure back into this new book. But the law out of the go-giver that I'll single out is law number four, which is called the law of authenticity. And the reason I want to single that one out is that um, it resonates for a lot of people. I think all five do. But you'll even see this if you go read the acknowledgments at the back of the book, you'll see that uh, it says that uh, this lady here on the screen, over here on my on my screen, yes. was the inspiration for the law of authenticity. That oh, really wow. came from Anna. Um, so you know, it, it's it's really fun after all these years. I mean, Anna has been by my side with every book I've written. I've written over thirty books. I published over thirty books. Uh, I've written a bunch that didn't get published yet. Um, and, and Anna has been the first reader for every one of them. She's been first reader, most insightful reader, uh, best critic. And I mean that in the best sense, uh, with the most careful, watchful, critical eye. And, and she's been just indispensable with every book. But now she gets to come around the desk and sit on the other side and, and, and be a co-author. And we split. And this has just been such a, a, an amazing journey for us to be able to to play this role together for the first time in our, in our lives for this last 25 years. Um, we really split the book into two pieces. Uh, I wrote the first half and she wrote the second half. I mean, we had, we both had input throughout, but it really was kind of a division of labor that was really sweet to, to watch how it fell out that way. Um, so yeah, the law of authenticity, which was ghostwritten by, or inspired by, uh, by Anna Gabriel Mann. Now uh, she gets to, come out from behind the curtain and actually be a co-author. <laughs> well, well, welcome, Anna. Welcome. Like, <laughs> thank you. How cool is that, that we just open up, we're, we're going to talk about the go-giver marriage and then he honors you right off the bat. Oh, that's a daily thing Easy. in my house. I have, I, yeah, I have, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it's funny. There are secrets in the new book and there's five of them like the five laws of stratospheric success, there are five secrets to lasting love. And those five secrets all have to do with giving in one sense or another. And we're not talking about gifts. We're talking about giving real genuine emotional gifts, if you will. Um, not just flowers. And yeah. And I receive <laughs> those kinds of gifts from John all the time. And we're great believers that, um, you never speak negatively about your spouse in any context, in any situation. Um, and that, you know, you should always look for ways to speak very positively about them, to find ways to, to build their spirit and, you know, and, and, and nourish, their, nourish them, nourish their spirit with, with kind words. I have a, I have a comment to make it. about that. I have a quick mm -hmm. comment. I got to jump into that. That's okay. A quick comment about that, which is, you know, Anna said, you, we have a 
practices is we never speak ill of each other. Um, and one might say, well, but isn't it hypercritical if you're thinking neg negative thoughts not to speak them? Well, no, the idea is not to think them. <laughs> it's not only not to say negative things about yourself, but to not think them. In fact, that's part of, of really what we're getting after in the book. It's about, the book is about sort of the mindset that creates a deepening, enriching love. You know, Harville Hendricks and Helen McKelly Hunt, in their endorsement of the book, they said, falling in love is easy, staying in love. That's the tricky part. And that's really what we're talking about. Nobody needs our help to fall in love. That's hardwired. Hard that's really easy to do. But for the enduring love, the lasting love, um, you know, there is a mindset to that, that, um, that is nourished by simple daily practices. That's what these five secrets are. They're simple daily practices. And, um, you know, we didn't make these up. We just kind of observed them. This is like, as Anna says, you know, people asked us for years, what's your secret sauce? Um, wh why is your guy's marriage so fresh? And, and, and why do you, you know, we act like newlyweds because we are. We're newlywed <laughs> like every day. It's like, <laughs> um, and, and by the way, that's not like rose colored glasses um, because we've, we've both been in difficult relationships before. We both suffered in, in, irksome and bothersome and stressful and, and even tragic situations. So we're not any strangers to the world of, of pain and suffering. Uh, this isn't just living in denial, like a happy place. We just adore each other. And that just gets deeper every year, every day. And we finally, you know, we took a look at what makes that happen. How, how is it we do that? And how all the couples that we know, our parents included, who have that kind of lasting love. What is it that they do? We kind of reverse engineered that. Um, I, I love what you said, Dan, when you read The Go-Giver, that you said, oh, wouldn't it be cool if there were a book like this for marriage? Because that's exactly what Anna said um, when back in 2005, when she saw the first draft of the original Go-Giver slide out my desktop printer and she, and she read the first copy, the first very rough draft. She said, this is great. And wouldn't it be great? This would make a great marriage book, a great book on relationships. Um, and so it's been, it's been a long time coming. Her, uh, I guess I should, I want to slide this in. Anna's background is in this. This is her whole life. This is her passion. She went to, she got her, her master's degree in psychology and education. She, she went to school for this and she came out of graduate school and stepped into a practice in family therapy, helping couples have richer relationships, helping people live richer lives. That's been her, um, you know, that's been her, her, her life work since, you know, since day one. So this is, this is really a fun place for us both to be. Wow. Yeah. This and is I, just a perfect fit here. Yeah. And I do want to add that each of the secrets is based on developmental theory in terms of how we develop from children to adolescents mm -hmm. to adults. What are, the, what are the things that really help us to grow? What are the factors that really um, deepen our connection to humanity that make us whole people? And so those are the things that we want to nourish in each other when we're married, um, because those are the very things that we've always needed. Um, specifically to be witnessed by another. You know, one of the most powerful secrets um, is to take time every day 
to appreciate your, your spouse. And, and by that, I don't mean, you know, the pat, the casual comment of, Hey, you look pretty today, hun, you know, um, but rather taking the time to really make an authentic and personal response that builds their esteem, that lets them know that you appreciate them in a deep way. Um, at the same time, it can be also passing things like, you know, I, I say to women a lot, you know, have you thanked him for taking out the trash every week? You know, and it's like such a little thing, but, you know, it's like, it's really nice to be appreciated for the things that you constantly do to keep the household running. Um, and it goes both ways, you know, I mean, a lot of people on both sides are carrying, you know, real weight. Um, and just being appreciated for what you're doing to keep the marriage going, to keep the family going. You know, I have one um, client who, you know, she always talks about what an amazing father her, her spouse is, you know, and I said, have you told him that? And she goes, you know, I think he knows I feel that way. But when she started really telling him, like one day she stopped him and she said, you know, you took the kids Christmas shopping and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. But I also want you to know that they were so excited. They felt like you got right in there with them and helped them pick very personal presents. And so they're just super excited about what they have ready to go. And then you helped them wrap them all. And so they're just like, mom, see that big package in the back? That's for you. <laughs> you know. Mm. And they're just so excited. And I can't tell you how happy that makes me and how how much I appreciate the way you parent our children and the way you are with them. And she said, he just about melted in front of her. And, you know, she said the whole tone of their relationship started to change because she was taking at least one moment every day to let him know what a wonderful, incredible father he was. But she was also taking several moments every day to let him know how much she loves him and how much little things that he does make her just feel so happy and so, you know, glad that they're together and so, you know, much more in love with him because of who he is. And so that resonance of just feeling like somebody's got your back, but that they, that they see you, they see all the places that you're filling in the gaps. They, they love you for that makes people just feel this safety and this security and this sense of love and compassion. And she said it was not even two weeks before he was starting to flourish personally. She said he got a raise at work, you know, just a bunch of things started really taking grip in his outer world. He, and he actually came to her one night, they were just about to go to sleep and he was just stroking her hair and telling her how much he loved her. And he said, you know, all this good stuff that's happening, it's work. It's because you just make me feel so good at home. I go to work feeling like a bigger man than I do than I normally do. And, you know, she, she said, you know, you are a bigger man than you even know. And she said, like, he just went to sleep so happy. She went to sleep so happy. You know, these little ways that we can nourish each other every day are so powerful. They have such an impact. I can hear the audience right now, which are primarily guys that are saying, this sounds great. I'm with you, but tell me what I'm supposed to say. Like, give me the exact words. And I, <laughs> and I know they can't repeat the same line over and over and over again, but 
Could you give us an example of something that a husband might say to a wife that is specific, that, that fills her up and, and just fills her love tank? That's I'll tell you something that really... I've I'll hold, I'll hold you. Go ahead. Word. No, no, you go ahead, John. I'd love to hear what you have to say. <laughs> well, you know, first thing I want to say is that, is that, um, you know, we have, we have a, a it's, it's in the book, you'll, you'll read it there, but we, we, we often have people say, you know, we'll sit down, somebody down and say, first thing I want you to do is find three things about your spouse that you love and find a moment, take a moment to tell them so, just tell them. And for a lot of people, and I'm going to go ahead and say for a lot of guys in particular, this <laughs> can feel awkward. <laughs> this can feel a little weird. Um, because it's not like, honey, we have to talk. It's not like a big sit down, make a big deal out of it thing. It's just, it, it's, it's, you take a moment. It can take 60 seconds. It can take 30 seconds, but it can be kind of weird. It's like using a muscle that you haven't used for a long time. And so it, it, what I want to say is awkward is okay. In fact, here's a secret. She'll love awkward. She will She'll love awkward because it's authentic because it's really you. It's you're going, uh, honey, um, oh, this is weird. I just want to tell you that's okay. That's acceptable. <laughs> um, I, I remember once when I told, and I've said this probably dozens and dozens of times and I remember the, the feeling the first time I said to Anna one day, I said, you're the most sweetheart. You're the most thoughtful person I know. And it was true. It, was, it wasn't one of those things that when you say it, you suddenly realize it's true. I knew it before I said it. Um, she is. She's just such a thoughtful person. She <laughs> thinks about other people. She thinks about situations. She feels things so deeply. In our wedding vows, I talk about, we, we wrote ourselves, I talk about how, um, you know, when a, when a sparrow falls to the, to the ground and dies, it's like her heart is broken. She's just such a sympathetic person. I remember one day I said, I'm just going to tell you, you're the most thoughtful person I know. I mean, that's only a couple of words. I'm supposed to be like the wordsmith guy. I write books for a living, but that was a very <laughs> simple thing to say. I had no more to say than that. And I remember the look on her face and she was like, really? you really think so? Oh, well, yeah, of course I think so, because it's true. It was easy. It was so simple. Um, and things like you look absolutely stunning today. Uh, was it five or six words? You know, Anna's right. It's not the casual, hey, baby, look great today. We don't mean the casual comments, but what I just said, that wasn't casual, even though it sounds like, like the same sentence. You look absolutely stunning today because the moment that I say it, I'm seeing it and it's just me. It's my truth. You're speaking your truth is what you're doing. And here's the, here's the secret of it. In order to speak your truth, you first have to find your truth. You have to go looking. You have to go on a treasure hunt. And the treasure hunt is, what is it about my wife that I love? There's a passage in the book. The book is, the first part of the book is a parable. And if you've read The Go-Giver, you know what, what, those, what the Go-Giver parables are like. This parable is about a couple, Tom and Tess. And Tom is applying for the, the job interview of his, of his life. And um, in the course of this one day, when Tom and Tess each have their storylines going on, uh, there's the guy that, who's interviewing Tom suddenly starts telling a fairy tale. So there's like a, a story within the story. And the fairy tale is about a young man and a princess. 
And every day they tell each other, I love you. And the other one says, I love you too. And then they have dinner and they go to bed and whatever. Um, but, but one day um, his, he says to his wife, he comes home and he says, I love you. And instead of saying, I love you too, she says, how? And he goes, what do you mean how? Uh, and she says, what is it you love about me? He says, well, I, I love everything about you. She goes, yeah, but what's, what exactly? I need specifics here. <laughs> it's, like, it's one of our favorite lines in the book. I need specifics here. It's such a, such a wife thing to say, in my opinion. <laughs> it's just great. <laughs> and, uh, oh, he's you've like, heard oh, that I'm, one I'm, before, I'm, huh? <laughs> and he, and he, he stumbles. And he goes like, well, you know, you're very beautiful. And she says, yeah, every, every woman is beautiful when she's young. Yeah, you know, and so he has to think about it. Um, and, and yeah, I won't, I won't reveal what he actually finally says, but, um, but she's totally charmed and, and, and delighted by it. And it, it starts a process of investigation. And that's what this book is really kind of about. It's about investigating your spouse, learning more about them, finding the things you love about them and acting on that. It's a, tre- it's, it's making a treasure map. Um, so can we give you the words? No, you'll find them. You just go looking for the things you love. Mm, that's great advice. So uh, I love the fact that Anna is here. So as soon as you said a few things, she's like, ah, <laughs> lit up and had an audible reaction. So it's great when we can hear the husband with the husband head knowledge and thoughts and whatever, but then also to actually hear our wife say, yes, that's it. We love that. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Earlier you said, let you know, me give might, you an... might be awkward or whatever. And I was like, that's okay. Do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and let me give you another that I just found so charming. I have a client and um, he's, I said, well, what do you want to tell her? You know, what do you, how do you want to appreciate her? And he goes, well, she's so beautiful. And I said, he said, but she doesn't think so. He said, you know, she's about 15 pounds overweight from the baby and she's trying to lose weight and it's not coming off easily. And she's, she doesn't feel as attractive as she used to. And I said, well, you know, have you told her that that doesn't matter to you and you still find her like beautiful? And he said, uh, no, I don't know quite how I do that. So he went home and, uh, the way he reported it back was he, he was in the kitchen with her and he put his arms around her. And he looked her right in the eye and he said, honey, I know you're discouraged and you're trying to lose weight, but the only thing I can say about how you look is. (laughs) 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 And he said, he said right in her arms, in his arms, she squeezed him even tighter. Her eyes welled up with tears. And she said, I love you, baby. And she said, thank you for saying that because I am discouraged. And she said, but I really, really love that you love me the way I am. And I just, I, I, I am going to get back to my pre-baby weight. And, you know, she, and weight, she yes. said, he said it actually inspired her to work out harder. And she was just like, he said it was maybe a month or two after that, that she had knocked off most of the weight. And he said, she was feeling so good about herself. And he said, it made him realize that women are getting so many messages in our society that tell them that they're not good enough. They don't look good enough. They're not this, they're not that. And he said, I was just determined to let her know that she's valuable in so many ways and that I love her in all these different ways, but that she is beautiful. And so, yeah, it's just, it, it can be so simple. Yeah. So 
go, goes right back to a go-giver law that we already talked about, authenticity. So whatever compliment, affirmation, appreciation that you intentionally give to your wife, make it be one that's real and comes from your heart. And, you know, if you can't figure out a way to express it, ask somebody, Hey, can you play, play with this one with me and help me get the words that I'm, that I'm ready to say and get confident about it. But, uh, and then another one, your wife is going to say, why? I love you, honey. Okay, cool. <laughs> Why? Can you like that one's going to come at some point in your marriage. So it'd be nice if you were like a Boy Scout and be prepared. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. And and just for your listeners to know, we've designed a series of workshops that are going to go out to churches around the country that we're going to do on Zoom. And we're, they're open to eight to 25 people. But we're 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 getting a lot of responses to do men only and women only for men's oh. groups and women's groups inside of churches. Well, I'll volunteer. And the reason is that all the men in the group can read the book. We can have this seminar where we do this two hour workshop and we talk about all the secrets and how to employ them, but then they can use the book and use the secrets to keep each other accountable to see marriages explode. And I mean, in the best possible way, like your marriage will light up if you practice these secrets. And so we already have some groups that are doing that together where they're just working, you know, book clubs and women's groups and, you know, that have just, that were pre-readers and they're now like keeping each other accountable. And it's, it's a really powerful thing because that's what men's groups and women's groups inside of churches across the country do. They keep each other accountable to the word. They keep each other accountable to the marriages and to, to living their best life at home and at work just like you are teaching in this forum. So um, yeah, we really believe that this is a business book as much as it's a, a, a book about marriage because there's not a single person at a corporation that doesn't go home to somebody. Even if they're a single mm -hmm. parent, they're going mm -hmm. home to somebody and that somebody needs building up just as much as their spouse might. So as much as the uh, go-givers, I would call it a business book and you can take those same philosophies and apply them at home. Oftentimes we learn things at work and forget to bring them home or we get so structured with the business thing. And we take that home and try to run a board meeting at the house with six-year-olds <laughs> and that doesn't work either. So we, we got to adapt this stuff, but the skills that we learn in other areas of life that we learn at home, we can take to work things. We learn at work. We can take home things that are at church. Don't have to stay there on Sunday. You can bring those home with you and use them the whole rest of the week. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, life just works better that way when you're, when you're authentic. So uh, yeah. we keep going back to that, but it's so true. And, and I mentioned I volunteer. So whatever it is that we're doing, I'm, I'll yeah. get a group together and it sounds wonderful. Yeah. I'm so fired up and excited about it. Yeah, yeah we, we love to teach. Both, both John and I had parents who were teachers and, and they taught at the college level and at the high school level and um, John's John started high school when he was, you know, 17 years old. And, um, you know, so we've both been educators our entire life. And in addition to being a therapist, I taught at the unit at a, at the graduate level um, and specifically on family therapy. So, you know, it's been my my life's journey. But at the same time, I just want to say that, um, you know, I I. I've seen a lot of people in, in a therapy room where there's a lot of arguing going on over who's right. Yes. And 
there's not a lot of, it, it takes a great deal of skill on the part of the therapist to bring them together and get them on the same page. And I abandoned that. Like one of the characters in our book used to be a therapist and abandoned that for practice as a coach. And it's not that I'm not still a therapist slash coach, but I work with one person at a time. I don't take couples into the room. I take one person into the room, into the Zoom meeting, if you will, mm -hmm. because it's so much easier to give people skills that they can take and then to work with them and discuss with them how are those skills working rather than spending months and months and months listening to them gripe because griping doesn't get you where you want to go. And neurologically, you can either feed the good or you can feed the evil. And we all know what that looks like. You know, you really have to train your, train your mind and train yourself to be that mature Christian that really takes on what it, leadership at home and leadership at home in a marriage means that we're both going to hold the other as the most important, as the most important person. So one thing we do to be intentional, uh, I talked to a lot of people about it and I got to actually this from my friend, Brian, he writes down three things that he's grateful for every day and now yes. I've followed up on the practice. And one thing he said, he goes, I was trying to become a better husband. So one thing I decided to do was to write one thing down about my wife that I was grateful for every day. It had to be something different. It couldn't be the same play over and over again. It had to be something same different thing. every day. <laughs> and I found the gratitude and I found specifically right. And the one thing about my wife, I started to see things differently. I started to look for gratitude. Yes. Um, I tell the goofiest story in the world about my uh, little daughters. They used to find dandelions and they loved them because they were yellow flowers and they, you know, were pretty plentiful. They, you know, could grab them and give mom a bouquet and all that type stuff. And this uh, lawn care guy comes to the door and says, Hey, I see all this stuff in your yard. I'll get rid of those. I'll get rid of those dandelions for you. And I said, Oh, my yellow flowers. He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's super low price. Cause we're in the neighborhood. I'm like, well, how much are you going to pay me for those? He goes, no, you don't understand. Like, I'm going to do it cheap. I go, well, I don't, I don't want cheap. I want you to pay me a lot of money for those. And he goes, are you, are you serious? Like, what's wrong with you? I have nothing at all. I'm like, I find those flowers, the most amazing things in the world because my daughters love them. And I love the joy and excitement they have. So I found a way to appreciate those little yellow flowers that you're calling dandelions and weeds. So unless you're going to pay me a large sum of money, there's no way I'm going to allow you to take those out of my lawn. And he goes, you're kind of crazy, huh? <laughs> I said, I, I guess in your, your way of thinking, I guess I am. I guess I am. Like, so those little yellow flowers, I learned how to be grateful for those because of the joy it brought to my daughters. And by looking at gratitude in different ways and learning how to appreciate my wife more and more and more, like has allowed me to just see her differently. And I notice when I'm good at it, when I'm specific about telling her things and acknowledging she's more radiant. She has more life. She has more energy. And it's, it's an amazing kind of transformation when you go from a space of discouraging and, you know, everyday mundane to yeah. flourishing and abundance and appreciation. So, uh, you know, it's that so is, beautiful about those dandelions because 
we've all got dandelions, right? We've all got in our field, we've all got little flaws and insufficiencies and weaknesses and areas where we're not very skilled or we're not very adept or we don't feel very confident. And when you go on the treasure hunt, you learn to love those things. They're the things that you love about your spouse. You don't just love their strengths, although you do love those. You love their flaws um, rather than trying to like correct them <laughs> because, you know, they're dandelions. That's lovely. I love that story. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And it makes me think about when you're talking about speaking positive only and you don't even think the negative. So over time, things will transform and you will start to not even... And I want to say that takes time. That can take time because, yes. you know, I'm not talking about denying or trying to bury real negative thoughts you have because that's their, their reality. People have negative thoughts. That just happens. Um, uh, Anna, who's the therapist who calls them ants, A-N-T, automatic negative thoughts. I forget who that is. Yes, yes. That, I was just uh, talking to a buddy of mine about that the other day. Yeah, yeah. And people have ants. The the, the it's not something you just cover up. It's something that you train out of. It's a practice. It's something you train out of every day. And the way you train out of it is not by focusing on the negative thoughts and the criticisms. It's by exactly what you're talking about and what we're talking about. Looking for the, the things you're grateful for, looking for the things that you're, um, that you appreciate, that you love about your spouse. You know, the, the thing about the appreciation practice is, is, that when you don't do it, when you don't go on the treasure hunt every day, when you don't go investigating for the things you love every day, you create a vacuum and into that vacuum slips criticisms, automatic negative thoughts, little critiques. You start finding weeds. You can't help it. It's human nature. We're all going to do it. We're all going to start tabulating things about our spouse because you live in close proximity. It's natural. The, the way to stop the momentum of the criticism, we call it the scorecard, right? All the things that I'm tabulating about you that are that I find wanting. Yeah, or what <laughs> I like to call that, the or what I like to call the hands on the hips posture. You know, yeah. and, and I joke with women about it because you know it's like, uh, oh, have you had your hands on your hips today? And you know, knows that like, means. Uh, 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 you know, and or the proverbial honey, we need to talk, you know, like that strikes fear in the heart of every man in America. You know? <laughs> you yes, know, that's yes. Not, that's not the way to approach a situation. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, by the way, at work, fellas, take that same advice. Don't send emails and say, hey, we need to talk. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my that's goodness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, we go to the negative. Like, we yeah. need to talk. I'm going to give you a promotion. Like perhaps, yeah, perhaps a better way of initiating. So I, I love the treasure hunt idea. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the treasure hunt side of it, um, it sounds sounds like childlike and sounds like uh, just the possibilities are, are endless and invites you into a story. So I like thinking about it that way. That's pretty cool. And that is secret number one to appreciate and to take the time to appreciate your spouse every day. So that's only one of the secrets, but I think it's great that John touched on the opposite side of it. It's the opposite 
of appreciation really is criticism. And I think that there are a lot of marriages that start to, you know, start to move toward criticism in time where it's that little scorekeeper. You know, I did the dishes three times and three nights in a row. Don't you think it's your turn? You know, the little ways that we're scorekeeping over who's done what or what's fair. And, you know, uh, there's a great line in the book that says um, in the in the section John wrote that says a 50-50 marriage is a recipe for disaster. And it's the truth is if you're constantly keeping score, then you're constantly weighing in on the negative. And it's really important to shift yourself out of that and to focus on all that is good. It's Philippians. There we go. Focus, focus on the good. Oh, that's my friend that is, Vaughn's best, is, most favorite book in the Bible. And it's that one is of the shortest. Mine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so genial. Because it's, yeah. It has so much beautiful advice in it. It and does. Yeah. And, and to focus on all that's good, you know, it's like focus on the positive, focus on what's good, what's righteous, what's lovely. Yes. Because yeah. what keep, you focus keep, on, keep, you increase. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, yeah. I said yeah. what you focus on expands, but yes, it increases. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. So there's a character in The Go-Giver that I love, Rachel, which kind of reminds me of like the Friends show also, just like this wonderful person <laughs> that is bubbly and everybody thinks she's just the most wonderful personality to have around. And uh, I won't quite spoil The Go-Giver, but she has some success towards the end of the book. And you're like, you want to stand up and give an applause like, yay, she's the greatest. Well, she spills over into this book, The Go-Giver, Marriage, and things don't go so well for her at the beginning. Um, yeah, the, the um, well, I'm confused. You're talking about Rachel, you're talking about Tess. Or is it Tess? Yeah, it's Tess. Okay. Yeah, Tess. I mean, Rachel's there. Rachel's there, and, and you know, we won't say more about that because, as you say, if you haven't yeah, read yeah. The, the whole Go-Giver, you don't want to know where it goes in the end. But to pick up on, on the point you're making there, um, Things start off in, in a not great place for, for Tess, the, the woman who starts the story. And, you know, the, the, the marriage in Go Giver Marriage that's at the heart of the story is not a disaster. It's not, you know, they're not one foot in the divorce cart. They're not, uh, you know, each uh, squaring off and seeing their lawyers. <laughs> it's not like that. Um, it's just like it's not what it once was. It, right. It's very, very much in love. But they've had a hard couple of years. In fact, they've had, had a half dozen really, really difficult years because of circumstances, um, which has to do with the fact that they have a child with special needs who's, who has kind of turned their life upside down. And they adore, but it's made their life just, just um, horrifyingly stressful. And I won't say more to spoil the story, but it's and, a very and, real and work situation. Pressure and, and, and work pressure and financial pressure and, financial pressure pressure and, and everything. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so like the audience can read. You know, and relate. We've been there. Yeah. We've had this problem. We've had that problem. We've exactly. We've, we, we've not been on our honeymoon for a while now. <laughs> yeah, and that's the point we wanted to make is that a lot of couples are in the place where their marriage is not on the rocks, but but it's it's on stormy seas, and and, and not always even consciously. I mean, Tess doesn't even really articulate consciously that there's something up with her marriage until some way into the story. And um, so that's, 
that's often true for people too. It's like things are brewing under the surface, under the surface before we even realize it sometimes. And we need to take a look at it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I love how it starts out because when I read your books, it's immersive. It's like being in a movie where you're just drawn into the story and my surroundings and everything just sort of follow, fall away. And I'm, I'm just in that imaginative state. And I feel like I'm in the book. I feel like I'm right there observing each of these different characters and almost as if I can talk to them, like your, your writing style is so um, easy to visualize and easy to fall into it. Like the greatest movie you've ever watched. Well, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. And that's, that's the goal. That's one of the go-giver and, laws is receptivity. And that's the truth. So somehow you somehow you you can hear great compliments and take them in and receive them, which is a gift <laughs> back to the to the giver of the compliment. So thank true. you, John, for receiving that gift. It certainly made but, me feel good to to see the joy. So and that's kind of in the marriage too. When when you give a gift of a great compliment away, your wife might have a hard time receiving it, possibly. Yeah. And if so, that's okay. But you're right. You're absolutely right that receiving gracefully, receiving gratefully is, is a key part of the whole process of giving. Um, you talk about it, as you say, at, at the end of the go-giver, in the last, it's the last law of the go-giver. Um, the five laws in the go-giver and the five secrets in this book um, are, are, are related, they're connected. Okay, okay. The fifth law... I like to call it the four fingers and thumb. The fifth law sort of seems like the opposite of the other four in a way. In the go-giver, yeah. the first four laws are all about giving. Right. The fifth law is about receiving. The same thing is true in the go-giver marriage. The first four laws are all about, in, in one way or another, they all revolve around the idea of, of giving to your spouse, of putting the other person's interests first, of supporting the other person in their growth. The fifth law is about supporting yourself. It's about your own growth. It's about giving to yourself. It's about loving yourself, not in an, in an egocentric way, but just in an authentic way. Um, uh, and, and nourishing your own growth as an individual, as a, as a person. Um, that's, uh, you know, I promised I'd, I'd get to another law in the go-giver, and that's the one. It's, it's this, this law of receptivity. There's this passage in the Acts of the Apostles that I think is probably the most misquoted passage in the entire book. <laughs> People all, all the time say, it's better to give than to receive. We even I even talk about it in The Go-Giver. It's like, yeah, please expand on that. No, 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 no. no, no. That, that it's fascinates not, me. It's not better to give than to receive. In fact, I think the character in the book is like, it's insane to give and, and to try not to receive. Um, the, the word in the passage is not better it's it's in translated in english is more blessed more blessed it's a greek word makarios and it means more abundant more rewarded more blessed what he's saying what jesus is saying there is it's more rewarding it's more it's more abundant to give than to to give than to receive because when you give you receive more when you give, you're enriched more. When you give, when you give, you become more abundant. It's not bad to receive. It's awesome to receive. It's just that the way that you receive a lot is to give a lot. The more you give, the more you have. I mean, Jesus wasn't an amateur at receiving. He was a pro at receiving, right? 
Right. The man knew how to receive. You know, I think a whole parable about washing his feet with, with this precious oil and the disciples are saying, oh, you don't want to waste that oil. And he's like, no, 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 no. Don't, it's not a waste. Go ahead. Use the oil. Wash my feet. It's great. Um, you know, he, he, he was a champ at, at, at receptivity, at receiving. And the same thing is true in a relationship, in your marriage. It's not about giving to the, your spouse is not about being a martyr. It's not about being a doormat. It's not about subjugating your own needs and about denying yourself and saying, no, 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 not me, just you. No, it's not the spirit of it. The spirit of it is I am here to, to build you. I'm here to, to, to grow your interests, to grow, help, help you grow as a human being. And we're doing this together because you're doing the same for me. You know, the more we give each other, the more the usness, the whole relationship grows as, as a unit. And that's the idea. It's not a zero-sum game of you win and I lose or I win and you lose. It's, it's a unified game of we both grow by serving each other. And I think I've now said far too much. So over to you, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to add to that exactly. I mean, I just agree completely. And that last secret, which is to grow, you know, I think that um, a lot of times people will devote themselves to things that have to do with others and they won't take care of things that they need for themselves. Um, they won't take care of their health. They won't um, go back to school. They won't take that creative arts class or that photography class or that cooking class that they've wanted to invest time and money into simply because they love it. Um, because it seems to them like a selfish thing that will take them away from parenting or, or, you know, doing the things that they yeah. feel need to come first. And so <laughs> they wake up, they wake up 20 years later and um, they've lost themselves. They they've kind of, you know, abandoned their own personal growth. And when I talk about personal growth, you know, a lot of times people think, oh, personal growth, it's, you know, this, you know, huge discovery of, you know, affirmations and, you know, self-indulgent. Yeah. Self-indulgent. <laughs> and to me, personal growth is, you know, like I'm an extremely diverse woman creatively in a lot of ways. I love to cook. I have loved to garden. I have perennial gardens, you know, backyard full of flowers and, you know, I, I, you know, I've spent 25 or 30 years gardening. So I know all these flowers and, you know, the gardens are, are simply beautiful every summer. Um, but those are things that, um, you know, I love to, I love to go for long walks. I, you know, I, I love to be in nature. I love to, you know, I like to take prayer into nature, if you will, oh my because goodness. I, I yes. believe that God, you know, made the natural world for our enjoyment and the beauty that he brings to us every day goes unseen by people all the time because they're not taking the time to be contemplative and to treat prayer like a meditation, if you will. How can and you steward to, if you don't love, right? And, and also, how can you hear God speak to you if you don't take the time to listen? So taking that time for what I call recreation, not recreation, <laughs> recreation, is so important to a marriage because, you know, I try out new recipes on John all the time and he's like, wow, this is so good. You know? 
And poor, poor me, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and also there's a million ways in, in, you know, the secrets have other ways that you can spoil your spouse, but um, there's a million ways to, to bring all the ways you're growing back to the marriage. And it makes you more attractive. It makes you more interesting. It makes you more diverse. And I, I say this, especially to the people that are getting older, you know, after 50, people start to feel a little more tired. They get into their 60s. Mm-hmm. They feel maybe a little more achy or whatever. And they start to buy the tape of, you know, I'm old now. And it's all I, downhill from here. Yeah. And I mean, nearly dead. Yeah. And <laughs> not only do, can marriages stay very fresh and very alive at that stage of life, but there's something very freeing about your children moving out of the house. It's a new time of discovery. It's a new time when you can be newlyweds all over again. Um, and there's a lot of growing that can happen between 60 and 80 or 90. I mean, I've seen, you know, I know that John will be publishing amazing books in his 80s. In fact, I think God has a long-term plan and maybe some of his very best books will be coming <laughs> at That's a later awesome. stage of development. Yeah. And it's because he doesn't lose that spark. He's constantly reading other authors. He's constantly investing in his learning as a writer. And he's constantly growing himself in so many different ways, so many different facets. He's a real reader. He's a real learner. Um, yeah. And so I just think it's, it's a, a really important secret to touch on. And I'm, I'm glad we had the chance just because, yeah, you want to be able to bring that constant way that you're growing back to your marriage and back to, to you know, making you even more attractive as a person. Exactly. I'll, I'll add a note to that. We, I've had friends, I've had male friends who, who, when their wife starts to step out in the professional world a little bit, um, starts to take the stage, so to speak, a little more, who get threatened by that. Uh, and I'm like, are you kidding, dude? <laughs> threatened by that? It's No, she's not taking your place. It's like, I think that's the most wonderful thing that you could see happen in your marriage. Um, you know, when, when Anna takes, Anna and I have been, this first book we've written together, but we've been uh, co, co-workers on, on many, co-creators in many other projects and business and entrepreneurship in the business world. And when I see her take the stage literally at an event and talk with people, or when I see her be out front leading some, some initiative or whatever, it's like, ah, I, I just, it's her being her. It's her being even more of her. And um it so happens that I, I love who she is. So how would that not be an utter joy for me? Um, I, I think, you know, we tell a story. Actually, I tell a story in like two lines in the, in the uh, uh, beginning of my, I just wrote my first, published my first novel last year. It's a thriller. It's called Steel Fear. Yeah, I read it. It's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you read it. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Man after my own heart. So on, on the dedication page, the very front of the book, it says, I don't remember the exact word, but, but my half of the dedication, my co-author speaks to his dad, my half of the dedication, I say for Anna, um, for years, she believed that I, I was a novelist until I finally believed it too. And the story yes. behind that is for years, she used to tell me, you'd be a great novelist, you would write great novels. <laughs> and I would go, Thank you. I mean, I appreciate that. I appreciate the vote of confidence is what I would usually say. And what that really meant was, yeah, but I don't think so. <laughs> I don't see it. And I didn't, Dan. 
I got to tell you, I did not see it happening. And it was like, I knew my books were, were, were good, but I just, novels are big, like they're complicated. I couldn't see myself carrying a storyline like that. She never wavers. Like, I see you doing that. I've been saying the same thing to her about her because she has this idea for a novel. And we've been believing in each other <laughs> uh, in, in, as novelists, as writers for years um, until, you know, if, in my case, we fi I finally got to the point where I said, okay, I guess it's now we dive in the pool and, you know, wrote the darn novel and there it is. And now we're about to publish the second one this June and um, starting to work on the third. Oh, and wow. uh, yeah, yeah, I have no doubt that, uh, and now, now Anna is an author with this book and I have no doubt that her novel is, you know, Talk about writing books in your 80s. One of these years, you'll see you'll see her novel too. I love well, the giddiness going back and forth from the two of you. And <laughs> so when you encourage each other, guys, this happens in marriage. This this giddy and joyfulness, and it can almost be a competition to see who can help each other feel the greatest, <laughs> and and it builds on each other. So, how fun is it to be in the positive and affirming side of things than yeah. to be on the scorecard or the hands on the hips and attacking and looking for the negative all the time. So like, I can even feel my, my own body posture as we're talking, I'm like feeling the negative, like, yeah. yuck, move, move the other direction. And, and like, that was just a great example. So I wanted to point that out for the people that heard that. If you're watching on video, you could see that. <laughs> Well, it's true. I believe that God loves a great story. And he knew that John was a great storyteller. And I think all the Go-Giver books kind of prove it from the very beginning of his writing career. Um, they're just, each one is better than the, than the last. I mean, they're amazing books. But I think, you know, John's written a lot of parables. He wrote um, The Latte Factor with David Bach. He wrote um, the the sequel to Who Moved My Cheese with Spencer Johnson, which is called Out of the Maze. And these are beautiful, beautiful parables. I mean, with gorgeous messages. But I think this is his best parable so far. I mean, it, it's, it's, got a, it's got a fable inside the parable. And it's like a little golden romantic story right in the middle of the, the larger story of Tess and Tom. A little candy and, center. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's like the <laughs> nougat in the middle of the chocolate. <laughs> so my wife has written a couple children's books and uh, oh. she's now working on illustrating the children's books. And oh, I'd love to say that I was just the yeah. greatest husband in the world and was the perfect guy to support her throughout all this. But man, I stumbled a little bit when she started getting this going and the cost yeah, of this yeah. and the cost of that and the the, this little piece, or maybe it's something I, it. I was an expert at and I exactly knew how to do the piece that was missing but she wasn't doing it that way or wasn't asking for advice or whatever. And I'm like so frustrated. And now that she's been doing this for a while, I feel like I'm in a better space and understand how to support her better and encourage her. And uh, uh, it's so much better now than it was, but at the beginning it was rocky on my part where I, I knew I wasn't doing it right, but I didn't know how to fit in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's such a great story because the first part of the story is as good as the second part of the story because it's true. These are truths and realities. It's hard sometimes because you do you, you feel displaced or you feel like eh, I, I wish I wish you would ask me how to do it right because I know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. That's fantastic. So congratulations on, on where you got to. Congratulations on seeing clearly where you were and, and how that was. 
And congratulations to her on persevering and getting exactly. it done. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Man. And may I say that children's books, if you get them going on Amazon mm. and you can boost their yeah. visibility a little bit on Amazon, you can this. I mean, what if she were blessing your retirement, you know, oh, 15 yeah, or absolutely. 20 years from now, because she yeah. had 25 books out there that were perennial bestsellers. Well, Nate Saves the World is the name of one of them. And it's like the best oh. dad joke kid book of all time. It really, really is good. Oh, I got to see it. <laughs> so I can't wait. I want to see it too. Well, yeah. I'll, get, I'll get it to you guys. I'll get it to Good. you guys. All right. Great. Oh, man. So I love the fact that you guys already threw a challenge out. Like within the first few minutes, we talked about three things to write down about your spouse that you love and tell her. Um, so we already got one challenge out of the way. We always close out the, uh, the podcast with a challenge. Uh, but before we close out, I, I just want to open up some space where you could talk about just whatever you guys want to talk about, wherever your heart is now and whatever you feel might be most beneficial for the guys in the audience, especially the guys in the audience to hear. You want to say anything, sweetheart? I just, you I just go, go ahead. You go first. Since it's to the guys in the audience, I would really love to hear your men's wisdom. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, this is not going to be, be applicable in a literal way to every guy listening. Um, because it's a story about a, a, a friend when I was a kid, young man, a friend uh, who was single and looking to get married, looking for the right partner. But um, he, he had this friend who, who said, you know, I am, I am so, I've, I've had a couple of relationships that didn't go anywhere. I am so ready to be married. I'm so ready to be a husband. I just can't find the right person. How do I find the person? And um, <laughs> my advice was, you don't. You don't go find the right person. What you do is you just be the right person and they'll find you. Be the person that they'll find. Um, be the person you aspire to be in your life. Pursue whatever it is. You know, you, what, if it's a career path that you're not pursuing. If it's a way of being in the world that you're not being, you know, just draw a picture of how you want to be as that husband and be that picture. And trust that the person will find you. Trust, 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 trust. If I could give my 20-year-old my, my self one piece of advice, it would be to, to um, have more faith, more trust in the outcome and less confidence that I knew how to do it. <laughs> less self-confidence, if you will. Um, we put a lot of stock on self-confidence, but self-confidence sometimes can shut the door to learning and to openness to other points of view, to people who know maybe something you don't know, who know you better than you know yourself in some ways. So I think self-confidence can be an overrated quality. Faith, I think, cannot. <laughs> Have faith in your path. Know that you're put here for a reason that is unique to you. And it doesn't describe any other human on the planet. And go be that. Go build that cathedral. Go write that book. Go create that business. Go, you know, pursue that path, coach that team, whatever that you, whatever that is, do that and let that be the compass that your relationships revolve around. I love that. I was in a workshop earlier today and we were talking about finding the gap between who you could be and who you actually are. And seeing that person and identifying the traits and characteristics that you need to, to become in yourself. And you just really exactly described it. So 
use the story of a single person, married person, whatever it is, but how do I, how do I become the best husband? How do I become the best dad? What's my ideal of who that person is and what's missing? How do I get, you know, what are are the traits? What are the behaviors? What are the actions? All those little steps and to have the faith that you can become that person. So that's amazing that you will. Can I add something to it? Yes, please. I would add this because I've worked with a lot of men as well. And I would tell you that a lot of men did not grow up with the best models from fathers. A lot of men had very critical fathers, fathers who didn't listen, fathers who dismissed them, fathers who criticized them a lot. Um, And sometimes I think when you came out of a situation where, you know, your father was kind of a little bit on the dismissive and or brutal side. Um, you can grow up to be a man who's really seeking to be somebody different than that um, and to be very successful, almost with the I'll show him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen a lot of men go out and become extremely successful at work, but how it translates at home is, is literally hollow. It's like they don't even know how to be the father or the man that they would really like to be in their home life. And I think that my advice is to really allow, to find men, to find somebody to work with, either a coach or a therapist or somebody or a a trusted advisor in a men's group at church or somebody that you can work with to delve into those wounds and to kind of allow them to surface so that you can really get comfortable with them that you can kind of get into that forgiveness of the person that sort of imbued you with this, because what happens is that that critical father becomes your inner critic. Mm-hmm. You become this guy who's got a club and you pull it out and beat yourself with it regularly. And you constantly hold yourself to a standard that's not reachable. That's unreasonable. And you constantly beat yourself up for who you're not. And to take that part away, to have a witness, if you will, that adds the element of compassion. And that reminds you that you don't need to, you can let that critical inner voice go because that is that father. That is that father that was constantly on you that told you that you weren't worth anything, you know? And so I just want to mention it because there's just as many men as well as women who grew up under a parent who criticized them and made them feel very small and who diminished their self-esteem and their sense of self, but they've overcome it on the outside world. They've managed to get multiple degrees to become a professor or a teacher or, you know, to have skills, but they still have that place internally where they're not good to themselves. And that expresses itself in their intimate relationships with their wife and their children. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yep. We can go win at work and the scoreboard looks great there. And then we come home to strangers or people that just don't like us if we allow that to happen and we don't get intentional. So love your advice for them to reach out to somebody and develop those relationships so that they can grow themselves uh, through, through all kinds of different ways. But if that, if you feel like you're failing there or not putting time and intention there, change it, change it. 
Exactly. And that's one of our reasons why there, there is a strong mission for us to take the book into men's groups and churches and yeah. women's groups and churches so that they can read it together, really examine it, and they can start to use the tools because it's really a tool chest and they can use the tools. They can talk about it with each other. They can hold each other accountable, especially in those moments where what you wanted to do was build your child. But what you did was you, you took them down a peg. Yeah. And what you wanted to do was nourish and build your wife. But what you did instead was you were crabby and dismissive. Yes. And, you know, to be able to see those opposites. And that's one of the things about the back of the book where we talk about how to practice it with every secret. We tell you what its opposite is. Right. Because if you're, you know, if you're hanging in those opposites, you know, yeah. there's some there's some dark sides to your marriage. Yes. Yes. Where there is light, there is dark. So. Yes, yin, yin and yang, complementary and opposites. Absolutely. So the deal. guys, when you have those thoughts that come into your head, one of the one of the three series of questions I ask is, is it kind? Is it true? And is it helpful? And I'm add another one to it. Is it loving? So as these these thoughts that we have, we tend to think about the same thoughts day after day after day. They keep coming back. And if you in the Bible, it says, take the thoughts captive and transform them in your mind. So is it kind? Is it true? Is it helpful? And if it doesn't fall through that, chances are it's a thought you need to take captive and transform and turn it around. When you do, you'll start not thinking negative. You'll start thinking positive, as John David said earlier in the, in the podcast. So that is so critical to change your thinking and transform your mind. So if it doesn't fit through that filter, uh, arrest that thought and, and change it. So whew, that was a lot. That was a lot. Have you got a, a challenge to close us out? Can you think of something that men can do from this week to next week? You already threw one out. So we're, we're, we're already good. So we're bonus. If you've got one that they could execute from week to week, something simple, something that guys can do and you've got, got one. one. So go ahead. I'll let you rip. I got one. Here's, and here's, here's a, a, call it a hack, if you like, to change, to transforming your mind, changing your thoughts. Um, for the next week, pay close attention to the very first thought you have in the morning when you wake up and the very last thought you have when you go to sleep. Pay it you already may know what that is, but you may not. I first, identify it. And then second, change it or choose. Choose the thought you want to have. Those two moments are when your brain goes through a particular transformation from unconsciousness to consciousness, and it's extremely susceptible. It's very vulnerable. And the thoughts that you have in those two moments of the day, the twilight and the, and the, and the dawn, permeate your entire day. They permeate your entire night. They permeate your thought for 24-hour cycle. So choose your thoughts, those two, their little acupressure points of the brain, those two moments in the day, and start to steer the ship of your thoughts. Oh, that's such a good challenge. Such a, week. a good challenge. Yeah. Put a little notebook or something next to your bed and, you know, your yeah. little alarm and maybe put a note on your alarm. So when you look at it, oh yeah, there's my reminder to record. What was I thinking? What are you about? thinking? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that'll take a little bit maybe to, to get used to that one. But uh, if you if you have some type of reminder, so you can instantly write it down, that is a fantastic challenge. Thank you for bringing that one to us. Pleasure.
Anna, we good? We're good. I thought that was a beautiful way to end. I have nothing to add. Thank you. Oh, well, fantastic. What is, what is a way for people to connect with you to find out more about the Go-Giver marriage or the uh, classes that you're going to bring to churches and things like that? Um, uh, www.gogivermarriage.com. That's our website, which has a lot of stuff on it, including uh, an offer of gifts from us um, if you pre-order the book. And it gives you all the outlets. You can go Indie, you can go Amazon, you can go Barnes and Noble, you can do whatever you want in terms of which one you want to click on. Um, but also, um, we're going to have a fireside chat about two weeks after the book publishes. Um, that's open to anybody who pre-orders. And also we created two um, mini master classes. Uh, one uh, is on the, um, the us, you know, what's the power of, of us? Um, and, you know, how do you create the energy of lasting love? And the second one is uh, very much about diffusing tension and conflict in a marriage. What are some real skills for taking tension or a fight that's escalating and calming it down. Um, and I think that one is just a, a little 35 minute jewel. Um, so we sat on our couch in our living room and recorded them. And um, so those are some gifts. Um, in terms of our workshops, you can contact us through the website. If you have any thoughts on the book, we would love to hear what you think and what you feel. And we are also um, starting the Go-Giver Marriage um, Coaches Training Program which will launch in the summer, fall, um, post launch of the book um, to train up an army of coaches, not only in churches, but in all across the country and across the world um, so that people can actually become coaches that, that work with individuals, not as a therapist, but as a coach for the five secrets to lasting love and how to employ them in their relationship. Wow. That sounds awesome. You really put a lot into this. We love this. This is our love letter to the world. And then it doesn't hurt that you've had kind of a whole professional history of this yourself. So doesn't hurt a bit. That's fantastic. It's, it's what I love to do. <laughs> I, I, I feel like if I was given a mission on this, on this, in this world, it was to build marriages. And I, I love working with young people. I feel like a lot of young people, they get married in a blind spot of romance, but they wake <laughs> up, they wake up, you know, a year or two later and they're like, what have I done? And I can't get divorced because I promised I'd be you know be eternal and you know whoa um i just feel like um there's just so much growing sometimes we don't even really know ourselves let alone our spouse when we get married at 23 you know um so i i love working with people of all ages to change their marriages and to to just bring a a, a godly tone you know to be able to really bring that energy of love compassion and commitment mm. Well, that is fantastic. Love, compassion, and commitment. She said she had nothing to add, and then look what she added. I yes, exactly, it. exactly. <laughs> yeah, if you can, if you can put that combination into your marriage and uh, encourage her, man, you're you're going to have a fantastic marriage. So, thank you so much, John David. Thank you, Anna. I really, really, really appreciate your time, and even more, I appreciate going forward what the go-giver marriage is going to do for men and couples going forward, because it's going to change how 
a lot of marriages in not only America, but around the world function, which will then change the family tree. From yes. your lips to God's ears. Yes. Yes. And thank you for praying over us and for praying over the book. Thank you. Appreciate oh, absolutely. It. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, thank you guys. And thank you for our listeners this week. Oh, real quick, before I forget, Anna mentioned feedback. So guys buy the book, but when you buy the book also write a review for them, it is so, so helpful as content creators. People think, oh, they hit you up all the time and you're always so busy, like dealing with stuff and whatever. They love reviews. Content creators love reviews. So you hear me all the time asking for an iTunes or Apple review or any of that stuff. It's because we love the feedback. And secondly, when you go check out a book, you're like, ah, oh, it's got three reviews. Yeah, ah, bother. Yeah. So if this book has 3000 reviews and the next person goes to look at it and they're like, ah, 3000 reviews. It. And it's like 4.9 stars and everybody wrote something about it. Yes. I want to go check that book out too. So this, this has got so much great greatness to it that I would love it. If you guys would leave a review when you purchase the book. Yes. Thank you. Thank You're you welcome. so much for that. My pleasure. My it pleasure. really does make such a difference. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, that is it. That's the final word for this week. So thank you guys. Look forward to you tuning in next week and uh, execute those two challenges that were thrown out. And I appreciate you guys so much and appreciate your feedback and appreciate you sharing the podcast and the books we talk about and the authors and, and guests we have with others. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and I hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.